Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. Hi and welcome to Verbal Art. Um, with me, your host, Senja Ram. It's this uh, art and culture podcast where I interview artists about their work and where they do the work or exhibit it. And today we are here in Kuvatila Gallery in Helsinki, in my school, the Fine Arts Academy, with uh, David Lundström Nabel, a Swedish artist who studies here. Hi. Hey. Do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> well, my name is David Lundström Nabel. I'm doing the uh, bachelor for the moment uh, in Kuva. And we are now sitting in Kuvatila in uh, our exhibition in our exhibition going on called uh, Utekia suddenly 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 that's the name exactly and it's a group show yeah um. I felt yeah maybe that is a good uh, intro like like how we how we kind of started this exhibition because it's quite like acquainted to to point out that us as uh, this group of people exhibiting is uh, mainly from Cuba in my bachelor class and uh, like this project came together more or less out of us doing group exhibitions in the first year and then in the second year and now we got this space in Cuba which is a bit bigger than Vapantai Tentilla yeah. that the earlier ones was in so and there are multiple other episodes, no, maybe maybe at least one episode I have from Vapaintide and Tila. Uh, one of the very first ones with uh, Arvid van der Reid and Juliana mm. Irene Smith. And there is at least one more episode, no, two more episodes from this gallery we're in today. So episode, yeah, maybe it's number three with Natalia Seifert Eliasson and then number 21, I guess, with Eto Vecchi and Corinne Mustonen, they're also here from Kuvatila. So, yeah, I always try to reference other episodes if there is like crossover. Uh, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so you are a group of people who have been studying together for a few years and who um, have exhibited together in group shows many times before. And so, is this a curated show or did you curate it yourself? Um, actually, this time it was curated by uh, Jonas Pulkinen and Nimko uh, Hussein, uh, Nimko Kulmier Hussein, uh, that kind of had this a bit rather distant role as a curator. They were not um, maybe um, taking part so much in how the exhibition would be settled. It was rather more that they shaped maybe the text and um, also kind of contributed with their own works uh, more text-based form um, okay. you, Jonas had his own text and Nimco had this um, kind of interview that they asked us different questions that was quite um, like for me they, the questions actually were really curious because they I don't know, they felt quite airy, you know, they felt like fresh, fresh questions on how to think about the artistic process. And yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, because I, I do feel generally it usually becomes this kind of 
you know, the questions that you already know and then the answer themselves also maybe become a bit in that vein. Well, I hope I can contribute to this uh, <laughs> fruitful experience. No question. No <laughs> but um, I think to start with, let's just help bring the listener into the space as a little bit of a like remote viewer. So can you help describe the space? Honestly, one moment. I think I'm going to move the recorder just a little bit closer because I'm a bit afraid of these acoustics. Maybe now it's a little bit more shielded angle. <clears throat> okay, so, yeah, can you describe how it looks where we are? And also describe your own work because uh, we are looking at it. <laughs> and the, the, view, the listener has no idea what we are looking at. But yeah, help like, bring them into the room. Hmm. Well, I do feel that the space itself uh, reflects a lot of space. It's actually like quite many works but also they have enough air to kind of breathe for themselves. So I think that is something of a key to this exhibition, that each work kind of breathe for themselves, but still kind of inhale and exhale with each other. Mm. So I do feel that they correspond very nicely. At people, everything pe in this room has almost the same color scheme. And people have been asking me that afterwards, the show, like, did you plan this palette, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and so maybe uh, let's put some words to the palette. I would, I would say, as um, the French people say, they say, colère de patate. So, <laughs> color of the potato? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's true, it's actually all the colors that you can buy potatoes in, almost. True, yeah. true. So we have a lot of like wood going on here and like a natural hemp or linen colors and some more like rosa, but um, like dusty in yellow, like a lot of bottles with something that looks like pea and things. Actually, it's uh, wine fermented with flowers. Okay. Yes. It looks like a mix of rosé wine and, and pea and things. That's not your work, right? No, it's no. not. It's Bebeton. background. And then we have a lot of fabric going on, a lot of like very organic materials and, and shapes. Yeah. Um, and like different shades of like uh, raw, natural white and, and stuff like this. So, yeah, it's quite like uh, dampened. It's not so... Even though it's a group show, nothing really s springs in your eyes, you know, in this yeah. white space, that there are no strong colors. And the floor is kind of this it's concrete, but it's this little bit sand-colored concrete. True, true. It, it really helps. But then, then I must say that it's also kind of important, referring maybe to Emilia Hava's work that has more these vibrant colors. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a table with this tablecloth. In the it room is, behind us, so yeah. yeah. In the room behind us, or the space is open, but now we kind of sit as in a room. You have kind of divided it into two spaces, yeah? More or less, yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, there are really big windows here, uh, but also like now partitioning walls. The space changes a little bit depending on what exhibition is in here. Definitely, definitely. Um, so maybe let's talk about your work, because I mean, when I met you at the, after the opening, when I didn't come to the opening because it was this day where there were so many openings happening in the same time. And so I had planned to like bike around town and like 
say hi to everyone and then it was just pouring down raining so much that I got stressed and I poured myself some wine at home instead and I didn't go to a single opening um, but then I met David and some other people in a bar later and we went for karaoke and what bar tell it Daniel. so well we were first in what is it called sort of but then we went to Sir Oliver, yeah. which is my local karaoke bar, yes. and it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always feel like I'm in a short film when I'm in there. Yeah, it is a bit like that. <laughs> it's really beautiful. Yeah. But um, but you told me, yeah, wow, I have this big wooden sculpture I made in this exhibition, and I think it's the best work I ever made. Yeah. I said, whoa. That's a lot to say. Like it's, it's yeah. when someone says that, and yeah. especially on the day of the opening, which can be a little bit frail, like you know, putting something on display is definitely it's a weird experience sometimes. So when someone tells me, I think it's the best work I ever did, I was like, let's talk about that. Even, <laughs> even though I didn't see it, I think if someone explains that, it's worth diving into. So please. Explain to the listeners, like, what is this? You have it's a wild sculpture. What is it? <laughs> but you know, it's it's funny you say that because coming maybe from a position as I know myself, I am not maybe the person that take and claim a lot of space. Um, it like as an artist with your works or as a person? Maybe more as a person, actually, mm -hmm. referring to me as a person that. I, I do feel that I constantly have had in my mind to divide the space in kind of equal manners to kind of give space for people listening mm. while also contributing with your own thoughts and I feel that's the most beautiful conversation you can have when you share actually thoughts and not it's just a monologue or maybe dialogue about something irrelevant I don't know but still this work itself maybe I can say it's the most challenging work so therefore, I could withdraw from that, uh, or maybe not withdraw, I could include that in the thought of me saying it's the best work I've done, because it, it definitely was the most challenging one. Like, technically it was a challenge to make it? Or? I would say so, because, you know, what we are looking at now... Yeah, please describe it, because <laughs> like, it's bombastic, but it's always weird for people to listen in blind, so... True, true. But how tall am I? So maybe, you know, these cable drums that they have for cables in construction sites, there are different sizes of them. Yeah, these wooden uh, cable drums. Cable drums yeah. is, the, is the word for them. But um, So they look a little, little bit like a round sofa table that has like a plate on the top and on the bottom. If people don't know what a cable drum is, then maybe Exactly, this, yeah. exactly. And this one is massive. What is it, like two meters in diameter or more, two and a half? Two and a half, I think. Yeah. Something like that. I should know the measurement, but who, who cares? Who cares? Uh, but something like this. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So it's like a massive wooden double wheel you have going on here. You placed it not like a table, you placed it like a wheel. Like a wheel, because I had been having ideas for maybe two years, actually, to, to do this salvation cannon. That was like <laughs> You have the to explain what that means. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess I just had in mind that I like the structure of a cannon, but okay. I, but I oppose myself toward having an actual cannon. These due to many maybe thoughts, but 
it's quite an aggressive shape and form. Uh, the cannon itself, then I mean, and what they what it impose. Yeah. So you like the structure of a cannon for its like physical appearance, or you like it for the function or mechanical? I think wonder of what is it? It's actually more about the concept itself that it is a structure that naturally implies motion and mm. naturally implies movement. Because when we now sit here and look at it, it's a static thing. Ah, so you know when you look at a cannon, even though it's static, you immediately imagine something flying out of it. Kind More of. or less, like even if, yeah, the concept of flying out could be one thing, but also this sense of, you know, something in motion. And usually if you see a regular cannon, what they do have on the backside is this kind of structure that keeps them on the ground uh, and like... Maybe it's like the support for the cannon to not keep on rolling. Mm. Uh, so as soon as you remove that part, then you have a big wheel in front of you or whatever that might be. But yeah. I, think, I think that was kind of the original concept in the idea that I grasped for the cannon. Okay. Like, okay, hey, nice. Something that will imply movement. But you didn't want it to move. You wanted it to be a static sculpture. I think like... Afterwards, I've been having thoughts. It would be interesting if it rolled. <laughs> yeah, it would. It it's would really be... big. And then, what is on top of it? Because it's not just you haven't just like brought in a huge cable drum and placed it on the floor in the gallery and said, "Now this is art." This is a function you can do. You bring Definitely. anything inside the gallery. I talk about this with uh, Clément Perrault in episode 32, where we are in Ham, uh, Helsinki Art Museum, and he tells me about being. Uh, technician in the museum mm. and this like arbitrary point of when a normal object becomes an artifact when yeah. it is like included in the gallery collection or put on display and suddenly you have to wear gloves when touching it and yeah. suddenly there are rules and like um, insurance value and stuff so you could have just brought a cable drum in and placed it and said now this is a sculpture yeah. but you did more yes yes I felt I would make it too easy for myself if I would do that approach. Um, Over and done. Good day's work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Of course, it was some job to, to roll not, it here. It's not easy to get this in. We have no. big doors here, but it's still it's a really big item. Yeah, it is. It is. I think let's get back to that, the whole transport of it. Let, let's just like uh, continue with what is like the On cannon part. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's quite interesting because, of course, this shape that came on top of it, it kind of looks similarity to what a cannon pipe would look like. But then I have um, used other materials. So uh, the main structure on top of the wheel is kind of... Uh, uh, it's like looking like a pipe but it has this insulation material inside that is rolled into kind of this spiral shape uh, that goes inside or outside and on the back of it is like this quite thick wood chain that I have done myself. So you have done some wood carving work have you like hollowed out or have you built this like cylinder somehow? Yeah it's like this cylinder shape uh, ish, whatever one can call it, it's uh, it's based 
around applying wood together and then like what I, what I kind of grasped was just the sense of volume. How do you add up and how do you kind of fill something from a shape that is already gigantic, like enorm, enormous and gigant and in that sense like to keep the volume in, sh like in response to that, that was a really tricky uh, thing. Because the wheel is so big, so you were like, do I need to build something huge on top? or Exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, naturally, it becomes a cause, like a, a thought of like, how can I make this happen without maybe even being able to, to buy proper wood, you know? That was like a big thing. Is all the wood recycled also what oh, you used on top? Everything is recycled. So on top you have built this like um, tube or cylinder of wood that you've like coiled a, a foam mattress and put inside and then there's a foam mattress twisted around it also outside. Yes. And then there is some carved wood coming out as like the mouth piece or what to call that and then what this animal that is sticking out of the cannon can we talk about that it's funny that you say animal because actually i had a, a visit with a lecturer talking about this i see now that it's a foot exactly it's the first i thought it was like a skull hey i thought okay. i mean it's cast from plaster right yeah like it's, it's gips. um yes. so i thought it was a cast of like uh, an animal skull, you know, mm. where the teeth a little bit like a buffalo or something, but a smaller animal. Yeah, yeah, like a... And because it's placed yeah. like a head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Definitely. I see now from this angle that it's actually a foot and yeah. where the toes would then be like what I thought was the teeth or the chin of the animal. Yeah. That is wild. Is it your foot? It's my foot, yes. That you cast? That I cast it myself in uh, like an easy <laughs> one. It was like really DIY. I remember standing, actually this was like two years ago or something. I oh, did it's this. an old foot. It's a really old foot. That's now it finally got a body. Yeah, it was, that was the thing, you know, because it's been standing on the shelf in my studio and I've been like, what should I do with that leg? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's, that is how we do, you know, for, for several years I had this hand that I made in my very first month here, I guess, or the second month maybe. Yeah. Spent a whole day in the sculpture workshop dipping my hand in industrial latex yeah. and making this like glove of my own hand that had my fingerprints and everything so that someone could wear my hand as a glove. Uh. And then I had like a lamp inside it and used it as a light sculpture in my studio. But for so many years, I just had this hand in okay. my studio oh. that couldn't really be used for anything or it didn't have a function, you know? Mm. Yeah, all these body parts that we end up collecting. That's an interesting topic. Yeah. Oh. And, I, and, 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 and I do feel that these body parts, they implement the function already. I mean, if you would see this piece now, you like as you say maybe you can see this animal the skull i mean it's like. placed like the head on a long neck coming mm. out of this i don't know somehow it's I, see it, that. I think yeah you have the toes pointing in towards the wheel you have to be from this angle to see them it's not it's not protruding or or like displayed like a foot no 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 it's true and then like the the, the underside like what do you say? The thing under the foot? Like yeah, the sole. The sole, yeah. It's uh, a bit rough also, yeah? You didn't like no. file it or make it fancy. You, you, you kept it a bit raw. Kept it a bit raw to kind of keep this level of 
a sudden experience rather than to be strictly planned and it should be like this exactly. But also the whole sculpture is quite raw, all the materials, so you have plaster and wood and this foam mattress, but none of it is like polished or uh, grinded or made to look fancy. You can see like where you've been cutting away, chipping away at the wood and the, the, the foam mattress is a little bit dirty and yeah. so everything Definitely. has this really raw finish. Definitely. And then. There is an electric candle on the head of the foot. <laughs> that sounds weird, but like, like what would be on the head of the animal? I thought it was a little bit like a unicorn. Okay, hey, it could be. <laughs> Actually, I could see the unicorn taking shape. But I had, I had in mind like, actually, I have to worth mentioning is like my wish was to have a burning candle. And oh. that was the thing. Do you have the, the wax or the serene dripping down? Dripping down, exactly. But you're not allowed in the gallery. I was I was allowed to have it in the vernissage, the opening, and I will have it on Sunday. So if you have the time, come by and see it with the burning candle rather than the lead candle. Also, you will have it for like... Yeah, but they said like you can only have it if you're like looking at it constantly and not living the space. So I wanted to kind of... Actually, I thought that was quite interesting for the ones evigilating that if there was this burning candle, that it would require that attention, like a candle actually require having had that bird in your home. So everyone who would be keeping the exhibition open, which is the invigilating is a fancy word for being the museum guard. Um, so everyone there, you would force them to look at your work for like eight hours a day? Yeah, but I liked, I, I just liked uh, the sense of keeping the spark alive. Yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, now it's a lead candle that I got from my mother. <laughs> so that's a beautiful thing. Um, my mom also gave me lead candles. Really? Yeah, so many times she gave me these LED uh, candles. Um, yeah. and, and, the, and the kind of look it's quite like real-ish. Yeah, they have this little movable, like uh, this plastic flame that is like moving a little bit in the wind. A little bit. I like them because you can just like toss them on the floor or keep them in the bed and like, you know, there's no wax dripping and you sure. can't set fire to anything. Yeah. So they're quite practical. They're quite practical yeah. and they keep this atmosphere of coziness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah. definitely. With a like cozy crack house with just like, uh, just strew some plastic candles on the floor there. It's nice ambience. It is, it is, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and then the last part of the sculpture, which I imagine might have been technically most challenging, is this tail of uh, like a wooden chain that you carved yourself. Mm, from one block of wood. From one block. Yeah. And so you have made individual wooden links of a chain from one block of wood. Yeah. How long did that take? Well, it didn't take that long because I was like really determined to get it fixed when I was like, let's do it now. But uh, maybe it took like one day of actual actual work. I stood with that drill because the, the sculpture workshop was closed, so I couldn't even no, use a good drill. So really? I, so I stood with like this uh, screwdriver with a fucking drill inside, and then I just stood there and uh, oh, I you thought. You should have called. I have a drill. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. But then what do you do when you're in these levels of kind of, I just want and need it done. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I yeah. will use whatever it takes to, to get it just Okay, there. so you didn't even have the right tools. Not the right but tools. But are the links of the chain, are they like 
did you cut them and glue them or how how is it because you you made an actual chain yeah how long is that it's maybe like 120 or something meters yeah and how many do you know how many links of the chain there is actually i don't know but 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 still like the links itself it, the, the tricky part was maybe just to make them detach so they become movable inside when they are linked yeah yeah that, that was maybe the tricky part because i i think i i broke these uh, things that you put in the screwdriver i think i broke like 10 of these when i was doing them like the drill bits the drill bits and uh. like also yeah, that, that was a bit annoying, but what can you do? I mean, that's and part I'm glad of the you process. Didn't four of my drill. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so maybe that was also one part because I knew it would get a bit messy. Yeah. So in that sense. Okay. So. But but is it like a tail? Is no, it's me seeing it like an animal still. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's fine. It's fine. You see what you see. I mean, honestly, I saw it like this unicorn tank. All right. All you know, right. like you, like a tank and you have this like gun on the top. And yeah. so this cannon piece, it's so small compared to the wheel that yeah. for me it looked like one of these guns placed on top of a tank. Yeah. And because it's movable that, and it's quite like, it looks like a medieval tank thing with these like a uh, big metal bolts and nails and stuff. Definitely. So that was what I saw. I saw like a big wooden unicorn gun tank with like a burning candle on top and a, like a, the tail was this like wooden chain <laughs> wow it sounds really masculine and powerful sounds masculine you made a massive raw wooden sculpture with like connotations of violence or war or something it's yes. quite masculine it's yeah <laughs> yeah but then then we come maybe to the point of the direction in like how i use the foot that mm. it was like you know dividing if it should be up or down is quite a small thing but it actually implies very different matters uh, and maybe i felt attaching the candle to what i think is the heel the achilles yeah. heel yeah, of, yeah, the, yeah, sure. of the foot maybe it brings connotations towards this kind of always resonate a little bit with this more like humble tone of how to approach your process but it needs to be humble, it can't be like this raw, strict, um, decided. And also, I mean, it's balancing this candle, or I, I assume it's attached, but it looks like it's balancing, like it's a balancing act. This. Yeah. So it's like on the Achilles heel, but it's also really a delicate like, mm. stillness. It is, it is. And it has, like, actually, it's just uh, the top of a bottle that I cut off and put there, and it's hollow, so of course. Uh, as like the candle holder. Exactly, exactly. Mm. But then also, I like the leg because the, that is consistent of like, or like the calf. Uh, oh, yeah, so between the wooden cannon piece and the foot is like the neck or the leg cast yeah. in also a plaster cast? Plaster, plaster cast with coffee cups okay yeah um, but yeah I, 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 I feel that <laughs> it just contributes you know to a little bit this humoristic tap that I wanted to to reach for my own sake that of course I could extend it and make the whole leg as I call it uh, in wood but then it 
actually the main idea for the piece was that it wouldn't come out a leg, it would come out a hand holding the candle. Oh, and I see it as a head. Yeah, yeah, and the head or the leg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, um, I, I changed that idea because in my own mind I, I felt it was like too planned somehow. That there was like I could see it in my expectation of the work that if the hand holds the candle, it becomes too literal. Like you, you read into it too much, maybe as my original thought was. But also, you didn't have a hand; you had a foot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the choice. So I, I chopped that idea with having a hand, and then I was like, yeah, this leg that I've been having. <laughs> in my studio on the shelf for like two years. Maybe it's time to get to use it, you know, see yeah, what happens. Sure, and let's give it a, a purpose. And I, and, I, and, and I felt maybe that was, that was, um, that was a nice experience that I can uh, recall now having the lead candle. But wow, like uh, a burning candle, like what kind of atmosphere it creates. And I know I've been seeing some candles in exhibition spaces before, but immediately I felt instead of seeing it in this big uh, gallery space that we are in, it felt directly just the candle burning felt more like oh, I'm like in a living room or mm. it drags down a little bit this. Did you want the light to be more dim then? Because like there's a lot of light now in this space. It is, but it's also like the natural light. I feel it's a big difference when 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 it's dark outside because mm. of course it gives a lot of light would you have liked it to like ideally would you have liked to present it in a dim dark space with the candle burning as the only light or did you have some like inner visions of this maybe for another exhibition that could be mm. the case if i will expose it again uh, i mean where will you keep it it's that, so big i feel that that's actually a really good question and i think it comes into quite like how difficult it is to be like a, a sculptor today. Yeah, uh, definitely, especially in this school where there is not space for storage. And even like when they kind of promote you to, to not do... It's like this, the, the will uh, of what they want to see yeah. is usually like you know, I've been attending some seminars and then they've been saying, yeah, what about if it was bigger? Yeah, you know, you hear like your, that your workspace is not big enough to make this, right? No, exactly. It's impossible. Yeah. Uh, and of course, then you come to the question where I should store it. Yeah. And um, I mean, that, that, that's a really tricky situation. And to be honest, I, I don't have the answer. I, I really I really feel that the opportunity for me to store it here is quite low, uh, but... I think the implied um, idea is that you're supposed to sell it. Like that we make something in the yeah. workshop, we rent a workshop space, uh, like as art practicing artists, the implied architecture here mm. in the school and how it promotes your workflow is that you go into the borrowed workspace for a while to work on something bigger and as soon as it's ready it goes to the gallery yeah. and as soon as the gallery show is over it has been sold and it moves to an exhibition somewhere or a gallery or something or a collector and that is like the idealized implied workflow but that's just not the reality no it i isn't. mean so it isn't um so you're right like 
it's this gallery space is really tall like ceilings it's very airy it's big big room it kind of implements you to it asks uh, for big works it, it it certainly do and i i do feel that you know if it would have been a small one it wouldn't work as like a lot of the other works in this exhibition are by the way very tiny yeah yeah, yeah. and and actually i i can i can read into that thread like like uh, my friend Leon always say he calls them candy and they are small candy pieces uh, but if you want to do the whole bag of candy then how Leon do you do it? Leon always goes big also <laughs> I mean if you have that intention I certainly feel that you should follow it because I do feel that you know doing something this huge requires certain levels of like you know trust but I think it's good that you also do it now because, like you say, this is a general problem for sculptures. And so we are, though, in this fortunate position now that we are in the school that has a wood and metal workshop. There yeah. is a place to exhibit this. And so when you are out of school and you have to pay for your own workspace, then the square meters really start adding up yeah, yeah. And, and transport. And uh, you, maybe no gallery wants to have your massive sculptures just like... And, and, and what I do feel also like um, maybe mainly like large scale sculptures are usually kind of planned beforehand and they have this model and I mean, how to do it. To, no? You kind of have to, but of course it kills this kind of labor of the hand to kind of see the potential in trying to do something big and see what happens with that intention rather than to sit with your uh, 3D program and do the 3D models and then you just you know it becomes like being an electronic musician that you have the availability to do so many tracks all the time but then you end up having like 41 minute songs rather than to have some actual finished product and I, I feel, for me, that sense is a little bit similar toward like doing models of my sculptures. And I, I can maybe recall also being in a position during my bachelor years where I got into the state of planning too much what I wanted to do. I mean, we are asked to plan a lot for grant applications and stuff. Like you have True. to have like a quite planned out plan to even apply for money to start the work. Of course, you can change it along the way, but they really like you to present these 3D models and stuff from the beginning. I know it, like public sculpture, for instance. Like exactly. The, the usual they people that win. They want to know win. how it looks before they approve it. Yeah, and the people that usually win are kind of architects because they know exactly how to scale and build to the models. To use these fancy-ass programs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Can you do them? Can, do you know Blender or these like 3D sculpting programs? Have you used them? I've tried. Yeah, this is really difficult. I tried as well in my first year. I did this Blender course, which is a software program for for like uh, 3D sculpting and animation. Yeah. I tried. I had this idea that it would be really sexy to like uh, know how to do all this 3D modeling and stuff. And so I did a course. Yeah. It didn't really light my fire. I have to say. No. no. I mean, yeah. That was kind of also the reason why I stopped making more like electronic music because. I couldn't stand to sit in front of the computer constantly. I mean, I don't mind that. I do a lot of computer work, yeah. but somehow, like some processes, some workflows just speak to you more than others. And somehow, Definitely. like, there's just. 
it's really slow this 3D modeling like it's really really tedious slow and you have you make one mistake in an angle and you're fucked and you have to go back and figure out yeah I don't know it's not for me I think no and when I participated in the 3D course you know it was more like how you do it and maybe I got out like this uh, hand size model of what I wanted to do and then I thought shit I want to make bigger things yeah. but then I realized as well like actually to 3D model something huge is also very complex and usually you have to kind of uh, attach pieces together so they become a full piece mm. so it's not unless you have this uh, factory 3D printers and so on mm. that you could do it directly in one piece but um, I mean there is also because now we're talking between this like really long pre-production uh, workflow where you have to plan and sculpt like electric like digitally before you actually start working with the material and then it's this other side where you're saying this more intuitive like let's yeah. see what the material uh, wants me to do with it I go to my studio and I'm I'm a classic artist I just like start chipping away at wood or this yeah. uh, feeling of hands-on but I mean with large scale there is there are some other like considerations right so there's cost like if you yeah. just start chipping away at a massive block of marble that's super expensive yeah, yeah. if the, a wheel like this you don't have 10 of them lying around so no. you can't just start like making mistakes and no, um, exactly. wood is super expensive and also practically it, this is like building this is the same size as building like a, a playhouse or like you know a, a Small mucky man. Yeah, small cabin <laughs> or or like a, a wooden house in a tree or something. Yeah. Like it's an actual structure. It takes some engineering approach that yeah. it has to physically work also. Definitely. And so when you make tiny things, you can just use a glue gun or whatever. It doesn't have to actually hold any gravity or things. But this structure, I mean, there are some considerations Definitely. that goes into to. Is it possible to make right? Yeah, and 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 I think if we go back to the topic in that sense of like achieving these ideas that one carries, if you have an intention of wanting to do something more large scale, then you have to kind of consider all these things in a much more concrete and maybe less this as you refer to artistic way of being in the studio and just see what happens. Still, though, I definitely think. Like um, a friend of mine said, but also like famous sculpture, Tony Craig talks about it, that you know you can only sculpt with what you have in the studio, and and I do feel that is kind of resonating. That, for instance, now I take the example with the leg, mm -hmm. that you know it came from something that I had done two years ago. Yeah, this and whole thing started with the leg that you already had. Yeah, and it kind of you you have to. And that is maybe what I want to pin down, that to kind of plan the whole structure itself in one go, contra to kind of do small parts of things. And, you know, let's say this uh, cylinder-like looking thing comes from me doing small models of how to do... Uh, um, a connection like this. Yeah, okay, so you did do small scale experiments. Cylind experiments yeah. with like cylinders and, you know, 
Did you also make a small scale model of this whole thing, like making a small mock-up wheel and, and trying to see how it would look? Or did you do drawings? Or? Yeah, I think then, then we come into the importance for me to draw a lot. Yeah. I, I am quite old-fashioned in that sake. You're also a painter, right? So yeah, you're used yeah. to working on like a 2D surface. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, like I, I can, I have maybe like 50 sketches on on this uh, uh, piece. Okay. Wow. And that has changed a lot. That has changed, and it, that that's very interesting to yeah. kind of follow, like what was the first idea, and like then a little, you like uh, moving cartoon where like it the, exactly. the thing evolves. <laughs> that would be nice to do, kind of an anime. You could have exhibited those as well. I know. I know. I know, maybe for another show or something. Yeah, or animated, yeah. That's yeah. quite simple. Yeah, it's yeah. quite simple and then you don't need like 50 pa pa papers on the wall or something. Mm. Yeah, wow, that's nice. I like sketching for installations or sculptures or something. Yeah. It's about something I learned in art school. Mm. I'm not a drawer, so I didn't used to do that. Okay. But, I mean, yeah, now I kind of like, like this visualization of it and I mean I don't really measure scale and things and do all the math very mm. precise but it can be good to draw some different ideas and see how it kind of functions and so I guess this like 3d modeling is the same it's just yeah it gives you a better idea of how something will be outside of your head right definitely definitely and maybe also what I like with the concept of drawing is that uh, you get closer to what your thoughts want to achieve and what the body do uh, so mm -hmm. that relationship also connects more like to this mindset that the, the body is always involved and maybe if you do these sketches that are implementing a structure by doing uh, several of those of course the language itself of the shape will slowly invite itself into the body and the hand and mm. you know like and the materials and also. the materials the you like this is also an assembly it's not one piece of wood that you have carved out it's like like you say putting together different parts yeah but you have chosen some very specific materials that each have their own um, possibilities and limitations yes also so when working with wood or working with plaster it's like there are just some things you can do and some things that maybe you cannot and i'm really happy for that like mm. actually these limitations are also like liberations i feel i feel like dogmas uh, are like yeah. very inspiring in this way and so to go about it like a material dogmatic thing yeah yeah i think it makes a lot of sense and maybe it is quite a sculptural approach also i think it is definitely but also like if we refers to refer to the to the drawings that i expose in the show i think the main idea for those was actually that i had one small canvas that i had only drawn on and then i felt and then i felt maybe that this is enough and i like the idea of it being limited with only like aquarelle and graphite on canvas to not even apply paint on it. The ones behind us? Yeah. yeah, let's maybe talk about that. So you have also this series of small paintings or drawings on canvas. Yes. It's five. Five. And they're like what, a, a five size? Yeah, similar. I think they are uh, 16, 
16 or something in size, centimeters. And what are they? I think it's a, it's a language I'm searching for kind of uh, composition along with having lines that interact with each other. But they are abstract, no? You, you. Yeah. To kind of implement different figures and shapes, but still keep it quite... Uh, keep the space quite uh, free to interpret whatever they could be. Um, so for the listener, um, we're looking at five small canvases and they don't have frames, but they have different like um, a primed colors or like back, you've painted them so they, they each have their own like background color. Yeah. And then they all have like pencil or graphite drawings on them, like very abstract, just these lines. Yeah. Uh, looking a little bit like sketchy, messy. A little bit like that, but still I feel that I wanted to keep the figure kind of somewhere in the each of the piece I kind of have decided to uh, emphasize the figure or a shape more actively. And so what are the drawings? Did you draw something or is it just like uh, imagination shapes? Some of them originate from earlier drawings that I've done that I maybe grasped some kind of curiosity about and some are more this, uh, yeah, like we referred to earlier to let, let go of the control and see what it becomes like. Yeah. Mm. But also maybe it was actually the, the reason why also I choose to expose them. Partly this discussion that I have with myself of being both a sculptor and a painter mm. uh, that I do feel that people do not accept somehow that the implementation of this school is a little bit you know since it's a bit old-fashioned with the departments it becomes a little bit that in the air also if so you, you feel do. like you're asked to choose I don't feel like that but I feel like the environment outside of me try to choose mm. because so, there's a different approach so what I, what I was told in my first semester here is that anything is a painting if you approach it like it's a painting yeah. so a chair can be a painting if you look at it and feel like it's a painting you're looking at i was told i could be in the painting department without touching paint for five years if i wanted that if i could want, like yeah. paint with i painted with light and stuff in yeah. the beginning yeah yeah and so yeah you discuss things and you analyze things depending on which like art history you have in the back definitely, kind of definitely so in that way there is a difference to being a sculptor mm -hmm. and a painter it is it is and i mean two-dimensional thinking and three-dimensional thinking is very different also. yeah I even if they align with each other but uh, and even though they overlap in some ways but i did have a conversation with laura Lowe about this um a few episodes before this uh about her master's graduation work which was also exhibited in the space these massive paintings where some of them were like sculpturally protruding from the wall and she was like wow that had really been a new experience mm. sculpting a painting instead of just painting it mm. and mm. that it's a different process yeah 
and and I, I do I don't see so much difference between them both if you ask because I do feel that I compose kind of similar as I approach the sculpture of laying pieces together usually the paintings goes in that direction as well to kind of direct uh, different pieces and that hopefully all come together as one but also as soon as you put five paintings next to each other suddenly it's not just a painting it's an installation yeah yeah definitely <laughs> hi hello oh, sorry, I didn't realize it's here. no it's good we're doing a podcast <laughs> interview no it's it's okay <laughs> you're very anonymous <laughs> hi <laughs> Wow, it's a big, sophisticated conversation about art. Uh, like, oh, that's just what the students <laughs> do here, you know? Yeah, casually, casually having like very uh, abstract conversations on the medium of sculpture and exactly, painting. Exactly. And, uh, wow. <laughs> very classic education. Yes, yes. Wow. Nice to see you. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so do the paintings and the sculpture belong together? Yeah, that is what I wanted to say, that I think I choose to show them because of these drawings that I talked about from the sculpture, how important it was for me to kind of keep my nerves a bit more calm in order to kind of control where will it go. And then the drawings helps me to kind of coordinate the stress that comes with how should I make the finish, how should it come together. So then I feel that the, the paintings themselves, they vibrate a little bit more toward the drawings, even if they are paintings. I have yeah, somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. And I maybe do feel that the drawings is kind of the foundation of how I uh, visualize my structures or forms or whatever, but ideas. A drawing on paper is very flat and these are more like um, deep canvases so it's like they are more sculptural paintings or sculptural drawings blocks. in this blocks yeah exactly yeah. so they're yeah. like coming out from the wall a little bit which makes them more sculptural yeah. okay so so they are like a series for themselves but yeah. then you felt like they were kind of like finishing this experience of the sculpture somehow partly partly yeah. Like, I think they, they definitely added something to the sculpture. And if they do that, then I would be welcome to kind of join, have them together. If they wouldn't, I wouldn't have them. So. Okay, so they were an addition later. Yeah, they were last minute addition. Let's just check the time. Oh, it's good. And so... How did you guys negotiate like the placing of things in the space? Because when you come and you're like, I have this massive centerpiece thing and a lot of other people have these quite small mm. items, like how did you have these conversations about like what to put where? Actually referring to the curators that were involved, uh, they had some ideas. Uh, how the works were gonna be exposed. So when I came to the space, then uh, Jonas Pulkinen was kind of like, yeah, I had in mind this space, does it work for you? And then I was like, yeah, sure, fine. So it was uh, not more <laughs> difficult than that. <laughs> you know, I can, I can go like forever and like how we placed no, it, but- It can be casual, it's Casual, cool. yeah. yeah. It's nice. And, like when, as soon as you come in, 
like uh, a classmate of mine said, it looks like a portrait pose, you know, it's like the side, the good side is visible for the camera and the other one is a little bit... The sculpture bit. is posing in yeah, the space. It's kind of like, it's a bit posed because it's a bit towards the side, it, it doesn't like face you either like straight forward. I mean, like I said, I thought it was a head because when you enter the gallery, mm. you see the sole of the foot, like mm. you don't see the toes until you have moved all the way around the sculpture yeah. into yeah. the gallery. Yeah. So that is also like, it requires people to actually to circulate and, and yeah. like approach the sculpture. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is actually a very interesting topic as well. Like going to an art school, kind of becoming more um, active and exposing yourself and your works. How do you get people to approach your works? That becomes kind of an experience that one is um, taking in during the education. Mm. And, and then you kind of... You, you can trace maybe some works that one has done earlier. Like, did they work? Like, were people approaching them or were they taking distance? And also, it doesn't have to be like this level of like uh, being... Uh, how do you say? being accepted or being seen. I mean, if people is uh, distancing from a work, that can also be the original thought of the work. I mean, and this one is so large that you can see it from a distance also. Like yeah. some small works really require you to get super up close to even see what they are. Yeah. And this one doesn't uh, demand that much from you. You can like keep a cool distance and you can still know what it is. And actually that also uh, counts in why I chose to also have the paintings because they are small and more intimate. Yeah, definitely. You And because it's this like a pencil graphite drawing and it's quite like um, blurry lines, mm. you, you actually do need to go quite close if you want to yeah. see if it's anything on the drawings. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that was maybe a thought because I felt the sculpture is huge and already like yeah, you, you can't miss it. <laughs> so did you know the colors of these like fermented wines and stuff? I'm sorry if no. I uh, interrupted you because like, so these different like uh, <laughs> big uh, plastic jug bottles of like this wine that I thought looked a little bit like pea, some of them, but some of them also have this like a uh, dusty rose color and mm. stuff. So your paintings are kind of exactly the same color scheme. Like yeah, you have one are. that is rosa in the same rosa color. You have one that is like yellow almost, like two different shades of yellow. And then you have like one broken white. Can, was this coordinated? They are placed across from each other on yeah. each their wall in the same space. And it looks like you have coordinated it. I think we have to ask then uh, like the curators. Maybe it was, who knows. I was just like given the wall as I was given the space for the sculpture. And I felt that they didn't want to intervene or interact too much of those decisions. But it looks like it could be the same work. Like it looks like yeah. the paintings belong more with those bottles than they do with your sculpture somehow, you know? Yeah. Because they're also placed a little bit in the same way. I do feel though that if those bottles were not there, I think the climate of, let's say, the, the space that my works are in wouldn't maybe communicate as strongly because the, 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 the brewed wine from Bebeton is like, yeah, they really make something like interact in this room of the space that we're sitting in. And also they add some scale, so all these small works make your work like... Um, 
you know, it creates also that you can see that it's a big work. Yeah. It's a little bit like when you document your work, you have to remember to take photos with people in them. Sure. It's something I forgot for a long time or didn't realize until uh, one teacher told me you should take photos with people inside your installation because no one can see the scale of things on and a it's photo. it's so important. And it's so right because yeah. you look at something and you think, Obviously, people will be able to see what size it is, but actually, no. And especially oh. in a gallery like this, the doors are massive and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like you're even cheated a bit with normal scale. The installation use is like key, I think, because you then get a grasp on how the works function in the space. So definitely mm. super important. Um, and uh, yeah, I just have to like catch my brain for a moment. Uh, by the way, listeners, if you have heard, it's like there's a lot of laughter in the background. So I thought maybe it would be good to address that. It's right. it's like a little bit weird soundscape. It's not that someone is just having so much fun in the gallery the whole day. It's um, it's another work uh, by Samuel. Thom is it Thompson or Thompson? Thompson. Thompson, like a like a hearty Thompson or Thompson. Oh. We have to ask. So British. Uh, yeah, Samuel Thompson Plant, yeah. which is an English artist who was here on exchange previously and now has one video work with like a two monitor screen thing. And um, he is laughing a lot, him and his friend, they're laughing on the video and the sound is loud enough that they're like um, filling the whole gallery with laughter the whole day. <laughs> It's quite wonderful. I really like it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm I'm so happy that we invited Samuel and also Bebeton for that sake. Uh, uh, and I have to maybe like uh, that Bebeton is uh, Jani Anders Peronen and Eva Rönker. Uh, Which is this other soundscape that sometimes you could hear. Yeah, this kind of fairy-like sound. Yeah, it's a little bit... I mean, we will add in the show notes a link to the exhibition. Um, and I guess we can ask Sam and this other artist if they want to add links now since they can be heard on the recording. Yeah. So we will ask... I, I can write Sam and you can ask this person. Yeah. I don't know. Bebeton. Bebeton. It's the duo. Okay. Yeah, I don't know them. No. They, but, they were also invited, like from uh, like outside. But we can ask them if they want to add links for their site so you can check them out. Definitely. But yeah, I don't know. Somehow I just really like that like Sam and his friends, they're so happy. They have enough laughter to go around and share with like all the artworks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I, that it, like it's so important, I feel. And also like it's the only, except from also Arne Kivele, who is in the black box, but that is kind of in this also a really nice piece yeah it is it is and like but in the in the like main space the the white, the white gallery then like it, it creates this very important function i think also to kind of have something video uh based uh or sound that or is sound like, like changing that, the space yeah it uh, like interrupts a little bit this materiality and the sense of mm. like more traditional sense of art and to have more that kind of like like samuel uh, expose uh, his work that yeah, this hum humor, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I really feel that you can sense it in the whole space as soon as you walk in. Do you feel like it's changing your work, which as we talked about is very masculine and has these like connotations of like something more violent or raw or I don't know, you know, and the materials are really like 
materials. And so do you feel like this uh, playful laughter is like this layer that is put on top of it? That's part of a group show, right? That the, yeah. the works affect each other. Yeah. So did you know this was going to happen or oh. was it a surprise for you? Not at all I knew it, but I was really happy when I saw it because it made me laugh. <laughs> like I'm sure it does for others as well. So definitely it eases up the environment and the space and not only for my work, I feel like the works as well, but like just like take an example also of Hermann Hermeles' work, which is to kind of take a ping pong ball, stick a hole on it and smell the air inside. I feel it's funny. That the know? audience can do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just literally just a cardboard box of pin ping pong balls on a table. It looks a little bit like a random installation. It's not it's not placed as fancy art. No. And with a small little nail that is just enough to make a small hole in the ping pong ball. I did not know they had a specific smell. Is it like that this air comes from China or could be. I think that was the original thought. Uh, okay. And then we smell it, and it feels this smell, this artificiality. Mm, yeah, like a swimming uh, animal or something. I, I would, I would like it to uh, when you get flat on your bicycle tires, mm. and the tube itself that smells quite mm. weird. Particular. Yeah, particular, and it's similar smell to that. I um I want to go back to like uh, the more material practical part of your uh, sculpture. By the way, does it have a name? The sculpture? Yes. Um, you cannot be what you cannot see. And what are the paintings or the drawings called? Is does that series have a name? Drawing one, drawing two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the sculpture is called "You Cannot Be What You Cannot See," which is really interesting now because we have a podcast interview and it, there is no visual. So yeah, extra layer. And no, but like, why this foam mattress? Because the other uh, materials are quite organic, um, like plaster and wood and this. I know it's a plastic candle, but it wasn't supposed to be yeah. but then this foam mattress first of all it's quite plasticky and secondly i it's quite ironic to try and like cushion something this raw yeah some like it doesn't need this cushioning somehow it's like rolled around it like a protective coat or something and but does this cannon really need pr like foam protection or insulation I, I i do feel like the original thought was not including this foam insulation mattress that is rolled at all and I'm so happy that I chose to have it and you know once again it was this coincidence suddenly as the exhibition you like, just do it you tie it and no, you're like the oh, thing it feels was, you right know, the <laughs> thing was that I, I took that uh, foam mattress like also like two years ago in the first year me and a classmate of mine Arvid also Swedish we walked around and then I saw this mattress and I was like, shit, I need to have it. Because this random ass mattress. Yeah, because because the thing was, it looks like this sound uh, insulation uh, Ah, it's one mattresses. of the ones that has these little... Uh, waves. Waves on the one side, yeah. Yeah, and they are really expensive if you want to buy like yeah. each piece. But that's a different material. It is, it is. But they remind me... For acoustic me, insulation is really expensive foam. Really expensive foam. This is cheap. This is cheap construction foam. But still, they have the same shape. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice, this graphic. Uh, I like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing was then, before the summer, I kind of had forgotten about it. And then Arvid came 
to my studio and he was like, hey, um, actually I brought uh, that foam mattress and I was like, which one? And then he was like, yeah, you know, this yellow one. And then I was like, oh, you, you can throw it. I don't need so it. So how long did he store it for you? He stored it in his basement for two years for me. And you <laughs> and forgot about it. I kind of forgot yeah. about it. And then, and then before the summer, he came with it and put it in my studio. And then I said, like, ah, you can throw it. And he was like, ah, but maybe you need it. Now I kept it for you for two years, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Okay, so the foot is three years old, you said? Oh, also kind of two years old. Two years. And so, and then how old is the wheel? Like, when did you know you were looking for a cable drum like this? Or did you come about it and was like, this is a fine, like, you do not find something like this every day. I got to have it. How I've been, I had been thinking of a cable drum. Okay. And then I had been thinking, I want this size. I've been seeing these sizes. They often are like you find them around construction sites and stuff, which yeah. Helsinki is full of right now. Yeah. So did you steal it from a construction site? No, I found it actually by Sampasama in the okay. junkyard. Okay. So and I was kind of amazed by the condition it was in because usually these are really teared. Yeah, this is. And, and are nice. Like really that the wood looks quite clean like, considering everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at all the other cable grounds, they will be in this much more darker bean of wood mm -hmm. because too much rain on them and stuff. So I, I was really happy to, to find such a crisp cable drum. But then like this insulation material, it was like it was a great function to feel the volume because I had been thinking I don't know what I thought before this, actually. I had some other thoughts that did not work at all. You didn't want the, the, the wooden cylinder to be hollow? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, you wanted full body? I wanted a full body because I would think it looked too empty if it was hollow. Mm. Um, since you already commented, I also felt like when I assembled the whole piece together in space, I had thoughts about hey, the pipe looks a bit small compared to the wheel, but then I feel with the fillings of this insulation mattress that it actually, yeah, it, it made it feel a bit uh, bigger and a bit more like filled form. More robust. More yeah. robust, yeah. Even though like a foam mattress is not really robust, but it doesn't take a lot to trick them. No, vision. no. That, oh, and okay. th that is what it's all about usually, right? To kind of trick the reception so did you but did you i want to go back to the wheel because somehow it's just like amazing so did you go searching for a wheel for this sculpture or was it that you had liked the idea of a cable drum wheel and you found it and then you were like oh, i will put it together with this foot i have in my studio or yeah do you it was similar to that i i kind of looked around looking for good cable drums there was any just because you were like i think i want a cable drum i i, I had kind yeah. of decided that i will present this piece in this show okay and actually we started quite early we started like in uh, november last year to to decide and plan the show so quite mm. quite a long one uh, but then then when i saw it i was like that is the one yeah, but of course it is. This is literally the one. The one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I asked a friend of mine 
to meet me by Sampasana. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. Like, yeah. how the hell did you bring it here? Sampasana is not that far, but it's like it's far enough. You could roll it these four kilometers, I guess, but yeah. it's like yeah. There are a lot of hills in Finland, in Helsinki, like it's a lot of up and down here. It was definitely a hassle. It's and big. We, we met like four in the morning because I didn't kind of want to interact with the morning traffic. I understand. Did you actually roll it the whole way? Yeah. It, but it's almost too wide for the pedestrian field. Did you roll it in the street? No, it, it actually works. It, it, it's enough. Like, you didn't to want to rent a truck and just put it on the back? Well, I thought of it, but then, I don't know, it was maybe the instinct of me wanting to have it now and to, I don't know, it would of course have made sense, but then actually it was really fun to do that and I felt it uh, added to this wildness, as it's you like described. like a performative gesture also. It is, Did it you is. document it? This is so nice. Yeah, I, I think I did some few shitty photos, but actually me and my friend, when we did it afterwards, I felt like... This is why I'm doing it, you know. Should have like, had someone film the whole way in this definitely. early morning light. It would have been wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it would have. Just definitely. like rolling this massive wheel. And you know, I was I was the one that went backwards, so I stood in front of it, rolling it, and it was like really mantra to see this wheel in front of you, bigger than yourself, rolling in front of you. Like, was it hard to control? I imagine no. it's a little bit like almost rolling down the hill into a car. Or that was a bit. Uh, scary when we uh, it's really heavy right it's heavy but actually it's not that heavy okay it I looks mean, heavier it's, it, it is really heavy but enough you know it's not like uh, Lina Hermann's uh, rock oh yeah there's a massive boulder rock in this gallery that just looks like how the hell did anyone bring this anywhere exactly yeah. and that is impossible to carry but this you can roll so. do you also have this idea that because it can roll it would be weird to put it on top of something else that can roll I once had a friend like almost uh, refusing to bring her bike into the metro to take the metro train with us somewhere because she was like I'm not taking one vehicle into another vehicle <laughs> it's like it's, it's idiotic sense. and so oh. do you feel like because it can roll and move naturally then it would be weird to like transport it differently yeah maybe it would have felt less DIY if we had rented a truck and just yeah, yeah. you know then I think it's much nicer this idea that you have like rolled it all the way from Sampa Sauna to here yeah <laughs> yeah and it was like this chemistry that came between me and my friend doing it also I felt mm. that was a beautiful moment and it I, I really carried that with me in all these doubts that I had for the work so I felt that was uh, yeah, like one of the centerpieces for the foundation of the structure to take shape mm. yeah yeah the whole like leading up experience of, of because that's also getting to know the material and the object right yeah yeah and of course that that is also quite a beautiful thing with like if you think of bigger bigger works i think you are maybe a bit more in need of help from others like i've been getting mm. some help with like few small things in this piece but I do feel that having this moment. Sorry? I will just check the time, just sorry for interrupting. No, no. Okay. Yeah, we have to start wrapping up because I need to be somewhere soon. Yes. But yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your mid-sentence. No. You have been getting some help? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the beautiful thing also when you do a bigger piece is that maybe you need a bit more help from others, so you will invite others to kind of share the experience, share the experience, and share the mm -hmm. process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And also, that can be nice, like you, like this performative gesture is different when you do it together with someone or yeah. just having it alone. Often a lot of the work we do is a very like isolated, lonely process. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, somehow inviting someone into it in, that is not like a, an interactive performance or something, mm. but just... Yeah. It doesn't hurt. It's no, like, yeah, it's quite nice. It's actually nice once a while. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Now, on the edge of things, is there something that I forgot to ask you? Something you wanted to mention? Or? I, I think maybe I can just fill into the title itself and yeah. just to have a short feeling there, like you cannot be what you cannot see. I think it really <coughs> grasp and um, like it sums up a little bit the experience of being in an art school. Uh, and me now approaching the bachelor, uh, and I will achieve the bachelor in December. I think. Yeah, the graduation the, show is soon. Yeah, it's also soon. But like this, to kind of, you have these ideas, you carry them around, but you cannot really be the ideas unless it's actually out there in the physical shape. So kind of, you know, give birth to all these babies <laughs> and then to actually make sure that they become something. And from that experience, I do believe that you learn much more than what you wouldn't if you never invited the piece to come out in physical shape because then the problem really starts how to assemble things how should it be how should it stand how can this thing be straight all these small things that one doesn't think of while you are in the when you're just dreaming when you're just dreaming yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then when you have to realize these dreams then you have to face them and this facement is maybe the key for developing in that perception. It becomes like a dialogue right between um, ideas and visions and dreams and then uh, practicalities and possibilities and budget and uh, like technical abilities with skills you have yourself. If you yeah. can't afford to hire someone to do something specific maybe you can only do it in this way or yeah. so it becomes this ongoing negotiation between you and the material and the time frame and the yeah. everything yeah definitely um and also like the exhibition space if this had been a tiny gallery maybe you would have approached it differently you knew it was going to be in this massive space yeah exactly exactly uh, so I know you wanted to read some of this text, but I am. Um, uh, we don't have to. No, I mean we will add a link. It's just the exhibition text that David brought with him here for uh, like backup, I guess. It, yeah, it was kind of a sense of backup. <laughs> right? Or it me feels good being to have formal, it next to you. <laughs> me being formal of like starting reading the text for you all. But we will add a link um, in the show notes to the exhibition so that people can check out uh, the other artists as well. Do you have any websites or social media to yourself as an artist that you want to share? Um, I'm actually taking this semester that is coming now to approach that theme more actively. I do have an Instagram, uh, David L. Nabel, that is more or less in construction to be a bit more active. So, and I think that page is in the reach of what I want to do this semester. So, 
you still have about a month, I guess, until this episode comes out. So hey. maybe you will manage to get some documentation that people can look at. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, well then, thank you so much for thank sharing. You. Thank you. Yeah. This was fun. Yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah. it I don't know how long it was, but uh, an hour and 15, it was short. Yeah. 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 But you said you wanted to do maximum an hour and a half, so... Hey. It Perfect. went fast, no? Yeah, it did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, did. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.